ecstatic kisses was Saint John Paul II. Pope Paul VI. Papa Wojtyła's catechesis at the general audience on Wednesday, the 1st of August, 1979. The first anniversary of the death of Pope Paul VI is approaching. God called him to himself on the 6th of August last year, on the solemnity of the Transfiguration of the Lord. This beautiful solemnity, rich in content, was Pope Paul VI's last day on earth, the day of his death, the day of his transition from life here below to eternity. Life is not destroyed but transformed. Thus we pray in the preface of the Mass for the dead. In fact, the very day of the death of this great Pope, the day of the Transfiguration, has become an eloquent sign of this truth. We can reflect on the meaning of the day that God chose to conclude a life so laborious so full of dedication and sacrifice for the cause of Christ, of the gospel of the Church. Was not the pontificate of Paul VI a time of profound transformation, brought about by the Holy Spirit through all the activity of the Council, convened by his predecessor? Did not Paul VI, who had inherited the work of the Council from John XXIII, straight after the first session of 1963, find himself at the very centre of this transformation, first as Pope of Vatican II, and then as Pope of the realisation of Vatican II, in the most difficult period, immediately after the closure of the Council. If we are allowed to reflect on the meaning of the day that God chose as closure of his pontifical ministry, various interpretations accumulate in our mind recalling the Feast of the Transfiguration that God willed as the conclusive day of his faith on earth. One could say that this day manifested, in a certain way, the particular charism and also the particular labour of his life. Charism of transformation and fatigue of transformation. Developing this thought, one could say that the Lord and having called Pope Paul to himself on the solemnity of his transfiguration, has enabled him and us to know that he is present in all the work of transformation, of renewal of the Church and the spirit of Vatican II, as he was present in the wonderful event which took place on Mount Tabor, and which prepared the Apostles for Christ's departure from this earth, first through the cross and then through the resurrection. the Pope of Vatican II, the Pope of this profound transformation which was nothing other than a revelation of the face of the Church, awaited by the man and by the world of today. Here, too, there is an analogy with the mystery of the Lord's transfiguration. Indeed, this same Christ whom the Apostles saw on Mount Tabor was none other than the one they had known each day, the one whose words they had heard and whose actions they had seen. On Mount Tabor he revealed himself to them as the same Lord, but transfigured. And this transfiguration was manifested and realized, an image of their Master which in all preceding circumstances had been unknown to them, had been veiled before them. 
John the twenty-third, and after him, Paul the sixth, received from the Holy Spirit the charism of transformation, thanks to which the figure of the Church, such as everyone knew it, was manifested at once the same and diverse. This diversity does not mean detachment from its own essence, but rather more profound penetration into its very essence. It is the revelation of the figure of the Church which was concealed in the preceding one. It was necessary that through the signs of the times recognized by the Council, this figure became manifest and visible, that it became principle of life and action in the times in which we live and in those that will come. The Pope, who left us last year on the solemnity of the Lord's Transfiguration, received from the Holy Spirit the charism of his time. If, indeed, the transformation of the Church must serve her renewal, the one who undertakes it must possess a particularly strong awareness of the identity of the Church. Paul VI manifested the expression of such an awareness above all in his first encyclical, Ecclesiam Suam, and then continually, by proclaiming the creed of the people of God, and by issuing a series of norms concerning the deliberations of Vatican II, by inaugurating the activity of the Synod of Bishops, by taking pioneering steps in the direction of the unity of Christians, by reforming the Roman Curia, by internationalizing the College of Cardinals, and so on. In all this, the same awareness of the Church was always revealed, which confirms more profoundly her own identity and her capacity for renewal for going to meet the transformations that spring both from her vitality and from the authenticity of her tradition. Allow me in this context to recall at least some sentences from the numerous texts of the Pope who died a year ago. In his first encyclical, Ecclesium Suam, which bears precisely the date of 6th of August 1964, he expressed himself as follows. On the one hand, Christian life, which the Church defends and promotes, must continually and strenuously protect itself from all that can deceive it, profane it, suffocate it, as if seeking to immunize itself from the contagion of error and evil. On the other hand, Christian life must not only adapt itself to the forms of thought and custom which the temporal environment offers it and imposes upon it, when they are compatible with the essential demands of its religious and moral program, but it must seek to bring them closer together, to purify them, to ennoble them, to give life to them, to sanctify them. The word, popularized by our venerated predecessor John the Twenty-Third of Happy Memory, aggiornamento, will always be kept in mind by us as a programmatic direction. We have confirmed it as the guiding criterion of the Ecumenical Council, and we will recall it as a stimulus, as it were, for the ever-renewing vitality of the Church, for her ever-watchful capacity to study the signs of the times, and for her ever-youthful agility to verify everything and hold on to what is good, always and everywhere. And some years later he said in a speech, 
whoever has understood something of Christian life, cannot prescind from its constant aspiration for renewal. Those who attribute to the Christian life a character of stability, faithfulness, stasis, see correctly, but they do not see everything. Certainly Christian life is anchored to facts and commitments which do not admit of change, such as baptismal regeneration, faith, belonging to the church, the animation of charity. It is of its nature a permanent acquisition which must never be compromised. But it is, as we say, a life, and therefore a principle, a seed, which must develop, which demands growth, perfecting, and, given our natural caducity and certain incurable consequences of original sin, demands reparation, reconstruction, renewal. Pope Paul was a generous sower of the Word of God. He taught through the solemn documents of his pontificate. He taught through the homilies he gave in various circumstances. Finally, he taught through his Wednesday catechesis, which, from the time of his pontificate, has entered into the habitual program of the whole year. Thanks to this, he was able continually to proclaim the gospel. He considered the announcement of the gospel, following the example of the Apostle Paul, as his first duty and as his greatest joy. These papal catechesis have become substantial food for the whole church in a period that particularly needed it. Facing the worries of the post-conciliar period, this singular charism of transfiguration has proven to be a blessing and gift for the church. Thus, Paul VI became teacher and pastor of human intellects and consciences in questions that demanded the decision of his supreme authority. He served Christ and the Church with admirable firmness and humility, which enabled him to look, with eyes of faith and hope, at the future of the work he was accomplishing. Approaching the first anniversary of his death, we again recommend his soul to the Christ of the Mount of the Transfiguration, that he may welcome Paul VI in the glory of the eternal table. Sir.